We are making films now. We call them Netflix original films. You've probably watched one or two and enjoyed them, like Bright, The Christmas Chronicles, Roma, or Bird Box. Big films. Now, have you wondered how we make these? How we choose what to produce? And how we create them? Well, I have. And lucky enough for us, I happen to have a podcast at Netflix where I can go and talk with anybody across the company about what they do. Welcome to We Are Netflix. I'm Lyle Troxell. My co-host is Michael Polson. On this episode, creative executive Tahira Gooden joins us remotely from our LA office to talk about creating our Netflix original films from script to screen. And in the second half, we're joined by Talia Sharps, who partners with Tahira in the hiring process to find amazing people to help produce our original films. I start out by asking Tahira Gooden about her journey to Netflix. So I guess just to start, I um, came out to California and I did the USC Peter Stock Producing Program. And this is one of the top programs in film and in particular for producing. So it's a two-year program where you kind of learn a little bit about the business from all different aspects and you kind of decide which avenue you want to go into. And I knew I couldn't direct and I knew I couldn't write because my creative skills did not lean in that direction. So I was like, okay, let's give this sort of executive producing avenue a shot. So from there, the path to do what I do now is really one of apprenticeship. So I started off my career as an assistant at a company called New Regency, working in the story department. And then I knew that I needed to really uh, be a desk, which is to support an executive, a development executive, sort of one-on-one to really learn sort of the ins and outs of what it means to be an executive. Oh, interesting. So so does that does that mean that you kind of look at that role as almost a, an intern for that person's role, position? You're kind of like learning everything they do? Yes, exactly. Basically listening to all their calls, transactions. You are also, depending on if you have the right boss, afforded a lot of creative input into the projects that they are developing themselves. So I um, was fortunate enough to work for a few great executives in my time. So you learned well how to do that role, and then you moved here and started doing that. Let's talk about what that coordinator position looks like here. And you specifically focus on original films at Netflix. So we have different kind of uh, areas that we focus on. Original films um, are not the documentaries, are not, uh, like we have some, some classifications. Can you describe a couple of the titles that actually fall in that, in that bucket of original film at Netflix that we've released? Sure. Um, and specifically, I focus on our bigger films. So Bright um, recently would be one of them. We just launched The Christmas Chronicles. On Netflix. Um, totally fun and, movie, by the way. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and something like uh, 22 July, which is Paul Greengrass's um, recent film, yeah. would fall into that bucket. Okay. Could you kind of walk through what you do on these on these films? What are you coordinating? Uh, sure. So just to um, let you know, at Netflix, the titles are a little bit different than what you would find outside of Netflix. And that really is because we fall in line with the rest of the company. So a coordinator on sort of the original films group would be akin to a creative executive or director of development elsewhere at another studio. So it is an executive job. So you are really with the the project from inception. So it's anything from, you know, sourcing the material, talking to the agents, 
or producers or writers and hearing the idea, whether it be a script or a pitch or even like a more of a kernel of an idea, making the decision to buy that idea for Netflix, developing it. And then once you reach a stage where you're like, okay, this is sort of the framework of the movie that we want to make, working with the filmmaking team to decide who the right director is, who the right you know, cast is, and really working to come up with a production plan of when we want to start shooting it, where we want to shoot it, when we should launch it, and then working with our internal teams, um, you know, best way to market it. So, Tahira, it sounds like when you hear the pitch and then you're like, okay, I like this, maybe some talk a bit about why it might work and stuff. You talked about being responsible for whether we're going to make that film. How does that whole process work? Like, how do you how do you go from, yeah, this makes sense. How do you make that assessment of, it's, yeah, it makes sense enough for us to go forward and, and make a full production? Well, you know, obviously we have an overall strategy that Scott Stuber and Tenon Agenda have come in to help shape. So it starts with that. Is this a film that is meeting a need here at Netflix? And then, you know, it's also about coupled that with, is this creatively something that we think that our viewers will want to see? So it starts with there. And then you start evaluating, is the execution of the idea at a place such that we think that it's either ready to go or with, you know, some strategic development, we can get it to a place where it will be best in class of whatever um, the idea is for our viewers. So it really is about assessing Will this bring about, you know, kind of a moment of joy for, for our, our audience? Yeah. And of course, you have a whole bunch of team members across the company that are helping you make those assessments and decisions, right? So there's a analysis people that kind of say, well, we, we definitely want a Christmas movie coming out in December. There's analysis aspects there that bring you numbers and, and abilities to make decisions. Are you making that decision to, to green light the bright or something? How many people are involved in something like that? You know, the great thing about Netflix is that it's a great group of individuals who are working as a team. So, yes, we do have people in, you know, our content planning and analysis team who will bring us great information about what viewers are watching and which seems to indicate that maybe they may want more of that sort of material. And we have great colleagues who will help us strategize on is there a real need for this in the marketplace? I would say the ultimate decision on whether or not we want to buy something is on an individual basis done in conjunction with, you know, Scott and Tendel. But at the end of the day, it's all about each individual executives taking swing on this is what I believe in and this is what I want to help bring to the audience. How do you balance knowing what you want today and the future with this, because as if what we see a need for today changes, like how how do you make these long one two year decisions to actually meet those needs effectively? You know, it's definitely tough. Um, so it is about you know working with the different teams who are very skilled at long lead planning. Um, but you know, ultimately, I think it starts with a great story, and a great story doesn't change that much. So if you can build a really great relatable story, I think whether it's now or two years from now, it'll still work. But in terms of strategy, I think it is about working with the different teams to sort of 
build that long lead strategy for you know the overall um, slate. We're described kind of in the uh, public space in the film industry and television industry as a creative friendly studio. And we kind of promote that idea that we're friendly to the creatives. You know, somebody can come here and make a movie that they want to make. You're the one that kind of represents the company at some level with the creatives that you're teamed up with, even though you're also part of the creative process. Does it feel different to them? Do you have to kind of convince people it's going to be different? What, what does that look like comparatively outside versus inside once a, once a creator starts working with us? I, I mean, I hope it feels different. I think it feels very different to me who, like you said, has, I've had a number of different positions outside of here. Um, to me, it's much more collaborative. It's much less um, do this because we said so and we're the studio and we hold the purse strings. It's much more, um, you know, we have this concern and we do have notes, but let's talk about the best way to address those notes and come to a decision mutually as opposed to it being, you know, an edict from the top down. We really try and extend, um, you know, freedom and responsibility to our our partners as well um, with the sort of caveat that we all want the best film possible for our audience. Um, and we go into that with the, with everybody starting from that page and that everything that we do will always be with that goal in mind. So I think that, you know, our creative partners have really responded, responded to that and have really, um, realized that, you know, we have the best intentions. Hey, so, uh, you seem to travel a lot for the role, go to the set or what, what's the intention of all this travel? Uh, yes. So we definitely do set visits. We like to go and see how our productions are doing. And we love to go and, you know, support our filmmakers on site. So there is a lot of travel. Are you doing Um, that because it's fun? Or are you doing that because it's important? Doing that because it's important. (laughs) (laughs) The fun's just a benefit? Fun Fun is a side benefit. Um, As much as I I love uh, visiting all of our filmmakers you know sometimes there are you know reasons to go that are you know business reasons whether it's we're capturing a really important scene for film and we want to go to make sure that everything is running smoothly or maybe there are um you know certain challenges on set that we need to go and help mediate um we tend to also go in you know during during the pre-production phase to sit um and meet all the teams on site because it's really important to get that you know, FaceTime in that one-to-one right. sort of relationship going. You're going to be working with all these people for the entire process, right? You need to meet them and know them and all that, yeah. Exactly. And we want to, um, instead of just being like a voice on the phone, perform real relationships with everybody on the crew. So it's not just us talking to the directors or the producers. It's going and meeting, you know, the first AD or the camera op or the sound guy. So it's not just big Netflix from afar. It's really, you know, getting a you know, touch and feel for everybody there. Yeah, that seems important. You came here partially because um, of an interest in diversity in film. Can we talk a bit about that? You know, I just felt like other studios weren't as progressive as what I was seeing Netflix sort of engage in. I have a real desire to see more diverse voices and faces, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. And I came to Netflix because it is built into the bedrock of what Netflix is about. It's in, you know, the culture memo. 
it's more than just lip service. Like it is sort of at the forefront of what at least I know my team thinks about every day when it comes to content. Um, So that was really important for me. Yeah. It's a, it's a topic that touches quite a bit in Silicon Valley, of course, because in Silicon Valley, we have a high density of white dudes and (laughs) it's a challenge throughout the Silicon Valley, you know, tech industry space and trying to make it more inclusive and make it more available for other people to join and participate. That's important. Every aspect of creation, I would agree. I think in production making even more so, because of course we're trying to make films that are applicable and interesting to the planet. So, and surprise, surprise, there's lots of different types of people here. (laughs) So, um, exactly. We're a global, we're a global company and we want to make, um, you know, films and content that reflects our audience and our audience aren't just, you know, white male from the West. Yeah. So that's, you know, very important to, as part of our strategy to examine all different kinds of content and to really, uh, be authentic in that. And so, these stories aren't just about, you know, putting one or two actors of color. It's about finding stories that are diverse at its inception. Yeah. So you saw from our culture deck and everything that we intend for it to be a diverse culture and supportive culture of lots of different people. Have you seen that in practice? Have you been surprised at all by it? And if you haven't, or if you have, have you actually have to push to help us be better at diversity? I wouldn't say that I was surprised by it. I would say that it confirmed everything that I hoped and wanted um, out of coming to Netflix. So I was overjoyed, I think, by it. Um, At least definitely in the films that uh, we have done on the original films team. There's a film called, you know, Always Be My Maybe that we shot with, um, Minachi Khan as director and she created Fresh Off the Boat and this was her first uh, her first feature and being able to have the project that is her first feature where a lot of people outside of you know Netflix maybe wouldn't have quote unquote taken the risk although I don't like that term because I don't think it was a risk embrace it embrace uh, the the project exactly did you hear Nasha Khan's pitch about her movie and you were you helping that process so the inception of that it was uh, me and a colleague Rashleen Benveniste um it was Ali Wong um who is a comedian who um has two Netflix specials here wrote a screenplay with Randall Park um, that was basically their version of like a Harry Met Sally. Yeah. We first heard about that and we were like, we have to be involved in that. We have to be a part of making that come to fruition. Because it was a good script. So we, yes. Yeah. So we went after that pretty hardcore and we worked with them to develop it. And when we're looking for directors, um, we knew that we wanted to bring on somebody who shared sort of our vision for it. Um, and Notch was definitely top of our list. That's awesome. Where in production is that film? We wrapped production and right now we are in post. Okay. So we're just working on editing it and it should um, 
be coming out on Netflix next. So year. you heard the pitch, you liked it, you found you helped find a director that could take that script and make it work, even though it was mm-hmm. her first directorial thing. I'm assuming you're happy with it at this this point. I hope you are. Yes, yeah. very happy. And it's in pro. And, and so, did you visit set and did you work with the people? Where where was it filmed? Well, we filmed it in Vancouver and um, San Francisco. It is loosely inspired by where Ali grew up, which was in San Francisco. Uh, what's the title of the film again? It's called Always Be My Maybe. Okay. Always Be My Maybe. I'm looking forward to it. So what's the timeline for that coming out on the service? It will be in 2019. Cool. All right. That's awesome. I look forward to it. As a project owner for something like this, how attached do you get to the films as like, you know, emotionally attached to them? And are some of them... Very. Okay. <laughs> so I, was, I was thinking that would be the case. Um, how do you know that what you're doing is going to be a good film. How, how does that aspect work? I mean, I think, you know, everybody goes into um, this process wanting to make a great film and you um, give notes along the way, just trying to make it as good as you can and you kind of feel it in your bones <laughs> whether or not it's working or not. Um, we Obviously, we do some audience testing okay. once we uh, have wrapped, but the audience testing is mainly for creative reasons to help the filmmakers decide if certain aspects of the of the cut are working. Are you saying that because sometimes companies use that as a, oh, now we have to have, we have to have a dog in this show or something like that, right? Where it's like complete outside force. Correct. Yeah. Whereas other studios use it as a test of, you know, whether or not audiences are like responding to certain things or not, they're going to have a problem with our hands. We really use it as another creative tool for our filmmakers yeah. to um, figure out are, are certain narrative choices working or are certain things um, of the story coming across or is it confusing or is the comedy working? So it's really a tool as opposed to, you know, tool for them as opposed to for us. Do you find that uh, more experienced directors, when this occurs, are surprised by what they, do they like it? I think, I mean, I think it's always nerve wracking going into it, but they they like it. And once they understand that um, it's for them, um, they, they really embrace it. Yeah. What has we've been growing a bit? We're doing more films and more films. What's it? What's it like right now with the teams growing, with more people coming on board? I and mean, one of the reasons why you're chatting with us is because we actually want more coordinators to be hired in the, in the originals film and, and throughout our our different productions. So, what does it look like in growth? How how are we making sure we get good people? All those aspects. What does it feel like right now? It's exciting. Um, when I started about two and a half years ago, I think there are five executives. Now we have 13, I think, and looking to hire more. So it's definitely a challenge keeping sort of a core sort of team spirit and culture that everybody's like running in different directions. But it's something that we work on because culture is so important to us. So it is about making culture the culture of the team, sharing in each other's successes, top of mind and as important as anything else. So on the whole, it's exciting getting to work with uh, more and more individuals and getting more perspective to our team and more ideas and more diversity. When you got here, obviously the culture had to be a somewhat different than where you came from. How did you adjust to this change? Or do you feel like those changes were already, you were prepared for them and you just kind of landed more at home? 
I think you never really understand what the Netflix culture is as many times as you read through the culture memo until you get here. But I think it's really quite refreshing um, once you understand the ins and outs of it. There are definitely some adjustments that you have to make. Can you give us an example? Sure. Like for me, I think feedback was something that I wasn't necessarily uh, comfortable with just because outside of these halls, feedback is viewed as something negative. So reorienting my mind to realize, no, actually, it's something positive was a hump that I had to get over. But once, you know, I realized that, you know, I love Netflix, this is where I want to stay, and I want to do everything in order to excel and be a stunning colleague, feedback became a tool for me and an aid for me. So asking and giving feedback, you know, I, I leaned into that um, pretty heavily, and it has change not only my work relationships, but, you know, personal relationships as well. Can you give us an example of some feedback you took that was hard to hear and how you might have changed because of it? Yeah, I think, you know, um, in the early days, communication was very key, especially as coming into a place where communication is important to keeping, you know, the trains running on time. So even if it's over communicating and not seeing that as like bothering people, whereas in previous jobs, less information until you've gotten the job done is probably safer for you. Uh, Whereas at Netflix, over communication is definitely the way to go. And that was definitely some feedback that I got earlier on that I was like, okay, you know, talk more. Tell us Uh, what you're doing. Exactly. Let's let's. Uh, let's talk about this. Let's discuss this. Let's, you know, socialize it with everybody and like, see how we can figure this out together. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, like I said, it's hard when you get feedback because you immediately go to, oh my God, like I'm messing up. Yeah. This is like, I'm going to, I'm doing something wrong. But instead, like I need to reframe it as no, they're actually just trying to help me right. succeed. I have an opportunity to do something so, better. Yeah. What at Netflix looks like innovation to you in filmmaking. You talked about diversity, right? You talk, we talked a little bit about diversity and making diverse films and making sure there's a lot of people being included in our production process so that we represent our audience in some way and we have different types of stories being told. But what other things are we doing that are innovative here at Netflix with regards to filmmaking? I think the things that we do that are innovative are definitely giving filmmakers the room to really make great film, whether it's through not really having hard and fast launch dates um, and really deciding, you know, what the launch date is once we think the film is close to being ready. I didn't know we did that. We'll like slow down a launch just to make sure the film is good and that the creative people are happy with it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say we'd slow down a launch, but if we think that a filmmaker could really make a film great by perhaps pushing a launch date by a little bit, we will. So I I don't want to give the wrong impression that it's like loosey-goosey because it's not. Like, like we definitely have, you know, slots that we want specific films for, but we, at the end of the day, we do ultimately what's best for the film. Um, So we we take that all into account um, when it comes to releasing a film on Netflix because, uh, like I said, we want to bring subscribers joy so we want to put out the best content possible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all of our the decisions that go into when is the best launch all comes back to that. 
All right. Well, I'm I'm glad you're there making this work for us and making films. It's awesome. I'm jealous of your role because it seems like that creative process is a pretty wonderful way to wake up in the morning to think about how you're going to make movies. Every morning I wake up and I'm like overjoyed to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And doing it at Netflix. Yeah. You, you keep on saying the term executive, but I'm calling you coordinator. Do we call your position an executive here at Netflix or is that a different role? Yes. At Netflix, because as I mentioned, the we fall in line with the sort of the common titles. That's why we we don't have sort of a creative executive or director of development title here. Right. So we, we classify that all under coordinator. So you're using the term executive because in the industry, that's the, the role that has the creative vision that you produce here, that you are here. Correct. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. Correct. Yeah, it makes sense yeah. to have the, the internal or the industry lingo at some level. Makes sense, yeah. yeah. So you're hiring a whole bunch of coordinators, which are really like creative executives at other companies. We're hiring them all the time. And I'd like to invite Talia Sharps on to join us for a second. Hi, Talia. Welcome. Hi, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So how how do we find awesome people like Tahira to work at Netflix? How do you do it? We find people through two main ways. So one is uh, people who are referred and maybe come in with um, one or multiple glowing recommendations from folks who already work here. And then the other one is kind of what I specialize in, sourcing. And so figuring out um, where these candidates live and and how we find them. And so those are the two primary ways that um, we start interviewing people. Is this growth, this rapid growth we're going through, make it your job hard? It definitely does. <laughs> it makes it um, it makes it challenging, but exciting because you have to really, you know, be able to think quickly on your feet and pivot. And especially in these growing thing, uh, in these growing teams where the um, the teams are really still fleshing themselves out and sometimes figuring out what the needs look like. And so maybe things change in terms of we might think we need one person, but that becomes two. Or maybe we think we need a specific type of experience, but after we talk to a couple of folks that have that, it becomes, you know, we need something a little different. Or maybe it's even a change in the immediacy of the need. Like we think we need someone in a couple months and then some projects roll in and it's actually we need them tomorrow. So with all these people that you're looking at, what are some of the the common things that you look at? What are, what are the most important factors that you kind of checkbox when you're researching are you talking about like, are you talking about prior to reaching out to them or are you talking about after you're as them? prior to reaching out like how do you know what looks right yeah because it's obvious when you talk yeah. to someone if they have the experience but how do you know that they mm-hmm. have this well normally if i am i'm looking at you know the companies i'm looking at titles i'm looking at linkedin i'm looking at uh, film credits. Um, but oftentimes I lean more into just hopping on the phone because, you know, if I think someone looks interesting, but I can't figure out exactly what they do, I'll reach out yeah. and, um, you know, for a, for a quick chat, because what I don't want to do is make assumptions about, you know, the, maybe the work someone's done or what they want to do as a next step, just based upon, you know, a, a resume or whatever limited information is out there. So that's the recruiting researcher role is really getting on the phone, talking to people and finding out if there might be a right fit for it to move forward. Do you also work with the hiring teams? Like, have you guys met before? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's the... We're working together right now on hiring uh, more mm-hmm. people for the team. Okay. Yeah. And to hear, how, what does that process look like from you? Um, for me, it's, you know, sitting down with 
uh, Talia and really talking about the role that I'm hiring for, uh, an outline of the background of the type of person that I'm looking for and what slot they will have to fill in the team. Okay, so let's talk about those slots for a second. Um, we're making originals films, and you mentioned, we've talked kind of about three different films today in this interview process. They're all really quite different in their style and scope. So are you trying to hire coordinators that are interested in a certain type of genre of, of film, or is it different than that? It's, it's not so specific as genre, although that can play a role into uh, into the person's uh, background. Um, it's about finding uh, at least for this particular go around, finding somebody who can complement um, sort of the perspectives that we already have um, on the team. So it can be um, if they are somebody who really loves a particular genre that we don't necessarily have somebody on the team who like leans into already. Um, that could be an additive um, component, but it doesn't necessarily disqualify anybody right. who doesn't ne- who doesn't talk about that genre um mm-hmm. or, and we're looking for people of like you know with a diversity of perspective um so that you know was really important to us on this go around as well yeah and i think when i'm uh speaking with someone for the first time i'm really trying to uh evaluate candidacy from a couple different perspectives. One, of course, is experience and thinking about how their their background and the work they've done would align with what they would would align with the way in which they would operate in this role and and thinking about um, what has their role been on projects? Has it been more you know supportive or as a creative lead? How does that translate to the need of the team? And then kind of what Tahira talked about, um, someone's taste and kind of how do they approach story? What types of stories do they want to tell? Because I think that's what we use to decide um, who's not just going to be a team fit, but who's going to be a team add. And again, you know, give a reflect a, um, a perspective or uh, have a point of view that maybe isn't already captured on the team. What do you mean a team ad versus a team fit? Uh, thinking about um, what makes candidates unique in terms of the experience that they have, the projects that they've gotten to work on, you know, the role they've, they've played on those, and then also um, what their taste is, like what's important to them in story. And, and do you mean unique as an individual in the world, like all of us are, snowflakes and all that? Or do you mean like has different qualities than the ex- current existing coordinator group? The, the latter, okay. yeah. Someone who, who has different qualities. So you're yeah. assessing all of... <laughs> you, Talia, you're, you're assessing all of Tahira's team. You're looking at all of them going, you know what they don't have? And then you're trying to find that person? Not necessarily. I really rely on Tahira to kind yeah. of help guide me in, in the way in which I'm evaluating um, you know, people. And so I think when we have... a an initial meeting when a need comes up, it's really just asking a bunch of questions of, you know, um, what will this person be doing? Um, talk to me about what the day-to-day looks like. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Tahir can add more color as to what she sees as the specific gaps, certain things she's looking for. And of course, that can kind of evolve and, and transform as we talk to different folks. Tahir, what kind of gaps do you have on your team right now? Definitely when we were looking for coordinators, we were looking for like uh, somebody who... Um, lean into different um, types of stories that, you know, aren't necessarily covered by... Okay, so our... what's not covered? Yeah, I mean, come on, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so basically we have a strategy um, and we uh, are looking for movies that 
um, do work really well on Netflix. So it's comedy, it's sci-fi, it's thrillers, um, and it's, you know, family, live action family films. Um, so we are looking for, you know, people who may have, you know, a real love of comedy or somebody who may have a real love of um, live action family films. Um, like Christmas Chronicles. They, like Christmas Chronicles. Um, and, you know, somebody who is uh, really strong at identifying, you know, what are the needs and going out and figuring out how to fill those yeah. needs. And of course, I know I put you on the spot there. And what you don't want to do is just list a whole bunch of things and someone go, well, that's not me. There's, <laughs> you're not covering everything, right? You're not covering everything at some level. So th- I'm sorry to put you on the spot there. No problem. And just, uh, and you know, the great thing about Netflix is that other studios, people are really pigeonholed into, well, you're the only, you only do comedy or you only do, mm-hmm. um, you know, sci-fi. And at Netflix, one of the great things, at least on the film side, is that we aren't, you know, put into those boxes. So like, for example, I have a, um, you know, quite a breadth of like interests. So this year alone, I've worked on, you know, a romantic comedy, a family film, a drama. So it's not necessarily that the person needs to like only one thing. It's about realizing what makes sort of Netflix special and, you know, that we do have a strategy and that their job will be to work on a lot of different films. But if it so happens that they, you know, have a proclivity on a certain genre, then, you know, that's, that's a plus. Yeah. You want people with passion. Exactly. You know, as we've been talking about this, we've been talking a lot about passion and then making these calls and not trying to influence, uh, really the filmmaking process end to end in a like getting your perspective in there. How do you balance judgment and passion? Because often they kind of go at odds with each other. The philosophy is always um, Netflix first. Um, So that is uh, sort of the first thing to be considered. So the judgment is, is will this be good for Netflix? And as we become, you know, bigger team, and, and, you know, experience also comes into it. Like you can see something that you're like, this will be a killer film for the service. It may not be my passion film, but I understand um, that this will work and I know how to make it work. So as, as an executive, it's, it's your job to engage in that. Or, you know, say, hey, you know, this is not something for me, but hey, colleague, I know this is your area. I think this is something that could work for you. It seems like earlier you were talking about just loving this movie that you're working on, right? Like really having a passion for it. When you have that passion for a title that you're working really tightly with, you saw the script, you see it come to fruition, you see the first cut, you're like, this is fantastic. Do you use your colleagues as a sounding board? Am I over, am I, am I too committed to this? Do you do that kind of thing? Absolutely. I um, often go to my colleagues and ask them for a gut check. Um, you know, the, and you asked me a question about um, what was the thing, one of the things I had to learn coming to Netflix and gut checks and really being comfortable with people interrogating your choices um, and um, poking holes in your decision, not necessarily your decisions, but um, your, you know, the decisions that you want to make in order to 
um, to test uh, is something that I had to get used to and really embrace as well and see as um, a tool because you're right, sometimes passion can cloud your vision. So I think that's a really useful uh, thing that I learned and really rely upon when I think that maybe, you know, something I'm getting way ahead of myself on something. Hey, Talia, we have a couple more minutes. So I'm just going to ask you this. You probably get a lot of like frequently asked questions from people that might be interested in working here. Answer a few of those right now. One of the values I always like to highlight in the memo is curiosity. And so I think um, to start off, you know, especially when it's maybe your first time connecting with someone over here, ask the questions you want to know. You know, it's okay to to be really honest because I think sometimes what people forget is the interview process is one of a, a mutual evaluation, meaning that, meaning that the candidate should really be trying to determine is this place a fit for me? Can I be successful here? Do I see myself here? Just as much as I'm trying to assess the same thing on my side. Um, I think another question we often get is, especially for the the folks we're talking to for coordinators, um, how can I contribute here? Will my voice be heard? Will I have a seat at the table? Because I think oftentimes, um, and even outside of film, there can be limitations just based upon your title, and it maybe not even might not accurately reflect the knowledge you have of the work you do um, and the years that you've been doing it. And I think. Tahira could attest to this, that you really do have a voice. And it's why we try to determine what your point of view is, what your taste is, um, when we're having these initial conversations. Awesome. Uh, can I jump? Sorry, sure. can I jump in? I think if I have one advice to uh, prospective uh, candidates is to have a point of view and be able to mm-hmm. express it and, you know, back it up. And, and, and like Talia said, be curious and ask questions and like figure out is Netflix a place for you? Not just any studio, but Netflix specifically and the more specific you can be about that. Definitely. And I would say don't even shy away from getting a little personal. For example, if you have experience that say doesn't directly correlate to film, like maybe you taught abroad for a couple of years and then came back and got a job in an agency, like let's talk about that for a few moments or the meaningful conversations you've had that have transformed the trajectory of your career or maybe it's even the um, the genuine relationships you formed or the, the traveling you've done and immersing yourself within other cultures because all of that um, contributes to finding and developing that point of view. Tahira Gooden and Talia Sharps, thank you so much for joining us here on We Are Netflix. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This has been the We Are Netflix podcast. I'm Lyle Troxell and my co-host is Michael Paulson. Thanks for listening.